Good morning. Happy Sabbath. Can you hear me okay? Not yet. Not yet. One moment, please. morning we're going to share with you a little song and I hope it's everyone's song as well. I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you. 
Thank you, Jonas. Thank you, man. I don't know about you, but I've just been feeling the spirit of God's presence in his house today. And I say amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes to us from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5, and I'll read in your hearing. I'm reading verses 3 through 5 and verses 9 and 10. Revelation 5. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, as prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And let the church say, Amen. Amen. Good morning. Jonas, I am so glad you shared that song with us. <laughs> Makes me want to cry, though, so now I've got to get over that. <laughs> Let me set up a few things here, and then we will start. Okay, I think I'm going to put this on this side so you see that. Okay. Worthy. Do his will. As Jim had the children's story with us, and he took that $20 bill and he squashed it and folded it and crumpled it and made it all muddy. So, this is us. We are dirty, we are sinners, but we are worth something. To Jesus. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians 6. I'll set that there for a second. Blow my nose, since that always happens. First Corinthians 6, 
We're going to start in verse 9. Paul is telling us that we're unrighteous. He lets us know that unrighteous don't inherit the kingdom of heaven. He says, don't you know that unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. He wants us to know the truth. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor idolaters, nor homosexuals, nor effeminate, nor thieves, nor the covetous, or drunkards, revilers, or swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Dirty. Sin. But he goes on to let us know such were some of you. Do you hear the hope? (laughs) Such were some of you. In verse 10, he says, But you were washed. You were sanctified. That means you were made holy. What's made holy is no longer unrighteous. And you were justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. Do you know what justified means? That means just as if you had never sinned or been dirty in your life. You are clean. You are washed. You are holy. And that is not of yourselves. That is a gift of God. Such were some of you. In Revelation, the angels of the seven churches are told that he who overcomes will be given different things. And in our um, scripture reading just now, Revelation 5, Revelation 5, we're going to start in verse 5, says, And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome. The lion overcame first. The lamb overcame first. And so we can be overcomers through him. He has the ability to open the book, open the seals, and they sing, Worthy art thou to take the book and break its seals, because you were slain, you were slaughtered, and you purchased for God with your blood people from every tribe and language and nation, every tongue. You purchased people. We are a kingdom. This quarter we've been talking about kingdom culture. Right here we see we've been made into fresh new citizens of the kingdom of heaven where, like Jim said, our worth comes from that government, not our government, not this world. And so because we're talking about kingdom culture, we've already covered following God, listening to God, self-denial, 
this week is doing his will. We had to start with the fact that we were unworthy. We have to start with the fact that he is worthy to be able to talk about doing his will. In 1 Corinthians 6, it also says the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now, God has not only raised the Lord, but he's also raised us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are parts of Christ? We are, as Matt had shared with us a couple of weeks ago, we are citizens of heaven. We have become the bride. And that means you're one body with Christ. It says, shall I then take the parts of Christ and make them parts of a prostitute? No, you don't go back to what you were. You go forward to what he has for you. Paul says, far from it, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Flee all of the things that were such you were, but you're not anymore. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? You are worth an inestimable, indescribable amount to Jesus, to God, to the Holy Spirit. You were bought with a price. First Corinthians 6.20 says, Therefore glorify God with your body. Glorify him because he bought you and values you. He has put his spirit on you. We read in the scripture that he's given you the mind of Christ and that it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, Jesus is worthy of us. He overcame. What does that mean for us? In 2017, I had the opportunity with Brant to go to a Bible workers training. It was a week-long training. And you would think that I would have gone to become a Bible worker, but I didn't. And you would think I would have gone to learn how to give Bible studies, but I didn't. Our daughter had died 10 10 months before, and I went to be healed. I was so brokenhearted. I wanted to go somewhere where I knew Jesus would be talked about. Bible worker training should be talking about Jesus. (laughs) I wanted to go someplace where I knew I would be saturated in him. And all week long, we should be talking about him. So that's why I went And we did learn things. (laughs) Um, I took notes all week long, and I cried in every session because I was so brokenhearted, and I was hearing Jesus, the healer. But there were several sessions that I had bookmarked from the beginning of our week because they gave us the whole itinerary. And I knew that there was a man named John who was going to be talking about broken people. And I thought, that's me. I need that. And so I waited for it, and when it came, he shared his story. He told us his brokenness and how his brokenness had affected his wife and that she was broken and that it just, you know, it made more of a mess in their marriage. And he shared with us how someone 
from outside of their family came into their lives and helped them both to heal and to see that Jesus is the one that heals. And that from that point, their lives were changed. He worked with AFM, Adventist Frontier Missions, and it changed his life and his wife's and other people's then, of course. And so I listened, and I was just drinking it in. And he did exercises with us. And one of them was that he asked all of us to be quiet and to just pray and to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to speak one word to us of what they thought of us. Who <laughs> is that hard? <laughs> but I did it. Everyone sat there quiet. And you know what? The Holy Spirit knows when you're broken and when you need something so bad. And he said to me right away, worthy. One word, worthy. I was so brokenhearted. And when you are in that place, Satan hops right on board. And he also was adding the guilt of my sinfulness. I'm a sinner like all the rest of you, and Satan loves to just grind it in. And so I was in a very, very raw, terrible place. And when the Holy Spirit said, you're worthy, in fact, he didn't say you are worthy, he just said worthy, I stepped back. I felt uncomfortable with that. I shied away from what he was telling me. Well, John gave us each some time, and then he started around the room asking every person what was the word that the Holy Spirit said to you. And so when he came to me, I downplayed what the Holy Spirit said. Worthwhile. That was all I felt like I could say, that I was worthwhile. And John knew Jesus. He knew the Holy Spirit and God's heart for us. He had had that experience of brokenness. And he said, you are worthy. And to hear it from someone else who I had already heard his broken story, I thought, I can believe it then. I am worthy. And I want you to know today, you are worthy. Not because I say so, but because Jesus says so. Amen. Amen. It is true. That's what Jesus did, and it is his will that we go and we tell other people that they are worthy. You're worthy because Jesus' blood was not without purpose, and it was not without potency. There is power in Jesus' blood. He made you worthy. You are worthy of eternal life. You are worthy to have your sins erased, gone, justified as though you had never done anything wrong in your life. He makes you blameless. You are worthy to do God's will. So... You're worthy to do God's will. Let's look at other people who found that they were worthy to do God's will because of Jesus. What does it look like? 
First, I want to read you Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Hebrews 13, 20, and 21. Now the God of peace, who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord, equip you in every good thing to do his will. It's his will to equip you to do his will. Working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. And I just want you to know it is his will that we are one with him and that we do his, his will, his good works, but you're not saved by those. Those just tell whose you are. I gotta turn this on, I think. Let's hope that this works. Jesus is gonna find you in your worst place. That's his will to find broken people, lost people. And he found the woman caught in adultery, though other people dragged him to her and threw her in front of them. He was finding her. He got down on the ground and he wrote because there was no condemnation in him. It's not his will that we condemn others. He didn't condemn us. He wants us to go in the forgiveness and the justifying that he gives and sin no more. That's what he told her. That's what he wanted those Pharisees who were ready to stone her to know too. He didn't condemn. So it's his will that we don't either. So she believed him, and she went in his mercy and his grace. We were talking in Sabbath school today how what we deserve in Jesus we don't get. That's his mercy. We don't get what we deserve. And his grace is we get everything we don't deserve. That's Jesus. So she kept looking at him, and she did have a life where he had to cast demons from her. We all have problems that he continues to walk us through. But he has not stopped seeing the worth in us. The next time that we see her is at Jesus' feet. She's thrown at his feet first. Now she's sitting at his feet. And she is listening. And she is learning. And when someone else, her own sister, comes along and said, I want you to do this. You should be doing my will. (laughs) Jesus steps in for her and he lets Martha know, no, this is the good part. She's chosen me. She's doing what I have willed for her. She's learning. And she's listening. So go in Jesus' will and do the same. We see her at his feet again. And she's giving all the good gifts that she has to him. She's anointing him for his burial. She loves him so much. She will pour out everything she is in front of anyone. She's not being like the Pharisee that stood on the corner praying so everyone would see how good he was. No, she is coming so that everyone sees how good her Savior is. Lastly, we see her at his feet again. She came to the tomb looking for him, wanting to again anoint him. She didn't recognize him. 
thinks he's the gardener, asks, where is my Lord? I will get him. And when he says Mary, and she recognizes that it's him, she clings to his feet. She doesn't want to let him go. He is everything in her life. And he lets her know, I'm going to go to my father and your father, and you need to go tell everybody else. And we're going to meet. That's God's will for us still. We are to go out and tell people that Jesus has ascended to his father, that he's there now, and that's our father also. And we have a meeting place in the clouds, and it's coming soon. That's his will that we do that. The next person we get to look at is Saul. Saul was also doing, or thought he was doing, God's will. And God doesn't let you continue to do what is not his will without accosting you or (laughs) brightly shining his light so that you are blinded and you have to recognize where you're at. His will is that we do like Saul then and ask, Who are you, Lord? If you don't know him, he wants you to know him. Ask, and he will show you who he is. Well, Saul becomes Paul. He goes on mission to the Gentiles. Can you imagine that? Pharisee of Pharisees. All of a sudden, he's changed, and he goes to the Gentiles. He finds that he is amazed, and he praises at being worthy to suffer for Jesus. He and Silas are thrown into prison, beaten, not of anything that they really warranted a beating, And they praise Jesus. They sing. They wind up freeing prisoners. I want you to see how this works. (laughs) I think it's so cool. Because they're praising in their suffering, when the earthquake comes and all of the doors of the jail and all of the chains are loosed, not one of those men leaves because they see there is a place to be free. And it's not a worldly place. They stay wanting to drink in this freedom. And then the biggest prisoner, the jailer, is also freed in his family, and they're baptized. All because Paul and Silas are willing to praise in their suffering, and they're not afraid. Paul goes on through his life letting us know he's content in anything he's learned Jesus is my everything, and so whether I'm shipwrecked or beaten or stoned, whether I'm cold or hungry, anything, I can be content. And here we see him in his later days in prison, still content in Jesus, still encouraging others. He's writing letters, letting them know, we have a Savior, he's coming, don't give up on him. Back in the Old Testament, this little girl little Israelite girl was taken in a raid by the Syrians to Syria, and she became the servant of Mrs. Naaman. She was raised to know her Savior and to know that he's worthy, and so she was worthy to work for him. She worked as unto the Lord for Mr. and Mrs. Naaman, and she was proud and happy and joyful and willing to tell where the power was that would heal Naaman. Jesus wants us to go and tell where the power is. Well, Naaman 
wanted to be healed. We all want to be healed. <laughs> and so he was willing to go. He had to be coaxed by his men after he received the directions from Elisha. He had to be coaxed to obey those directions. But he put aside his pride and he went down into what he considered a dirty river and he washed the seven times. He went down over and over. And finally he comes up with skin like a child. God's will that he be healed. And he rejoiced in that. When he went back to um, Elisha the prophet, he let him know, I'm not going to worship the God of Ramon from my country. I will only worship God. That was so immediate in Naaman. You know the Holy Spirit had been working with Naaman for a long time. Here is just a snapshot of someone's life, but it tells us what God's will is for us, what we are to do. This woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years. She was bankrupt now, having sought healing. She had suffered a lot at other doctors' hands. She was ostracized from church. She couldn't come and be part of the believers. All she does is reach out and touch. That's God's will. Reach out and touch him. It's interesting to me that in so many other cases when Jesus would heal someone, he would tell them, don't tell anybody. But in her case, he stops and he says, who touched me? Everybody's shocked that he's even asking because there's this big crowd. But he persists and he says, power went out of me. And she comes trembling because she knows that he was the one that healed her. And she falls down at his feet and she tells what was done for her, what she was and how he has made a difference. Jesus has the will for you to tell others what he's done for you. Then I thought of Joseph. He's taken to Egypt as a prisoner, sold by his own brothers. And you don't hear As you read the story, you don't hear Joseph complaining along the way. I'm sure there were tears. I'm sure there was all of that awful feeling of being separated from family. But that's not what's dwelt on. And you know that Joseph drew near to God. He knew that was his only place of safety. And as he did that, and he met problems along the way, for instance, Potiphar's wife, who continued to try and seduce him, He resisted that evil, and he fled from it, and he received prison. (laughs) But he was faithful there, too. God's will is anywhere you are, be faithful to Jesus. Jesus gave him the opportunity in prison to interpret his word to these two men, the baker and the cupbearer. And because of that, he eventually winds up able to interpret God's word to Pharaoh. He looks at what Jesus has presented to Pharaoh of the future, and Joseph has the gift in himself from the Holy Spirit to be wise enough to plan for the future for Egypt and the world thereabouts. So it's God's will that you use those gifts he's given you. As he did that, he eventually comes back into 
communication with his brothers. They don't know it. And he uses his gift of wisdom from the Holy Spirit to test them, to see, has anything changed in all these years that we've been apart? It's okay to use your gift of wisdom to test other people. That's part of God's will. We're supposed to look and know. He forgives completely. That's God's will. And he provides for God's family. Our last person is Peter. Don't deny Jesus like Peter. That's not God's will for you. And he tried to warn Peter of that. He let him know what he was going to do. He let him know that he had prayed for him. He let him know when you have turned, strengthen your brothers. So he was giving him hope before he even did it. And if you're like Peter and you happen to deny Jesus, then you also need to be like Peter and plunge in. Get to your advocate. Get to the one who forgives your sins and who makes you new. Jesus was on the shore there, and Peter, as soon as he knew it was him, plunges in to get to him. Jesus walks down the beach with Peter, and he asks him three times, Do you love me? He's letting Peter know, You're forgiven. I still love you. Do you love me? And every time when Peter says, Yes, Lord, I love you, then the commission is, Go feed my sheep. Go take care of my lambs. Go to my own. We are to go to other people and love them as we have been loved. Forgive them as we've been forgiven. All of that is God's will. He is worthy. Jesus is worthy of everything you are. He's worthy of your work and your will. He's worthy of you pouring out your brokenness to him and asking for healing. It says in Philippians 2.13 that God is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Are you willing to let him do that? He's pronounced you worthy. Will you believe that? If you believe that Jesus is worthy, I would like you to say that with me now. And we will just say, Jesus is worthy. Jesus is worthy. And then I want you to know you are worthy. And so if you believe you have been made worthy by Jesus' blood, then I want you to say, I am worthy because of Jesus' blood. I am worthy because of Jesus' blood. Amen. Let's turn to 246 and sing, Worthy, worthy is the Lamb.